Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Coming up on the payoff. Last weekend, I had a chance to do something that I never thought I would ever do. I got a chance to go back to my alma mater and talk to student athletes about sobriety, mental health. But most importantly, my wheelhouse is is sobriety because anybody who knows me today probably knows I'm still not mentally well. But my co-pilot on the trip, or should I say the pilot of the trip, was Hillary Phelps. She was the best swimmer in the country. Uh, She went to the University of Richmond, and she had a drug and alcohol problem. Today, she's 15 years sober. Together, we're hoping to spread change among student-athletes and carry a message of hope and basically plant a seed of awareness to student-athletes in college who may not know anything about alcohol or drug addiction. And someday, if they feel like they have a problem, they know where to go. And maybe if they have a problem at the present time and we're talking to them, they can go to us or go to other resources. This is a great convo about an experience I had with Hillary back at my alma mater and something we plan to do more in the future, carrying a message of hope to student-athletes who just might need it. But first, Kevin Souza. How you doing? I just this is great because I get to say like, "Hey, it's been 25 years." No, I don't get to say that. It's been oh. it's been a couple of days. Yeah, it had been 25 years, right? Now yeah. it's been now it's. I don't even know what day it is. What's today? Today's one. Tuesday. 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 Yeah. Tuesday. Uh-huh. So a couple of days, five days, four days. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. So what did you think of? So Hillary and I. To catch yeah. people up, and we'll just start now, Hill. If that's all right with you, I know you've got to get a, you've got to get a train at Target afterwards, and that's a big deal. Um, but so we got together over the weekend, or I guess Thursday into Friday. We both went to the University of Richmond. You swam. I was supposed to play football, but I didn't because of because uh, of a heart problem, and uh, you know part of it that that is kind of why we're here. Part of it related to drugs and alcohol. Uh, and we had an opportunity to go back and speak with students, uh, student athletes who are transitioning into professional life about alcohol and drugs and, and mental health and wellness. Uh, what did you think about our program? I thought it was great. I mean, like, like you know, how, how it came about, too, is that you and I had reconnected after, you know, a long a long time after college on sobriety. Um, yeah, and, and by when- the way, by the way, so people, I don't know if people really know this. So I guess it was, what when was it, May, that, that you joined May. me on, on this podcast and you talked about being sober. It was the first yeah. time that you would ever mention that or spoke, you know, on the record. Uh, and we all know you'd been on the record before. So you were, you, <laughs> you, use, this, you use this platform to talk about, your story and you've got, you've gotten a lot of great feedback a lot. And, and you, I feel like it's been cool um, to do this because once in a while, somebody will will be like, Hey, thanks. You know, appreciate it. You're carrying the message. And you got a ton of, of, of that type of, uh, of that type of feedback. Right. A hundred percent. I mean, I was coming up on 15 years and I had kind of kept my story a little quiet because I think there, I still felt a little bit of shame around, the stigma, you know, there's shame and stigma around addiction. I think, oh, and I think in, in women, um, in both in men and women, but, um, and I'd ca- still carried some of that shame, but it felt really good to release it and just speak openly, um, after 15 years with you about it for the first time. And then what I realized was, and you and I talked about this in the podcast, and I've talked about it subsequently is that it doesn't matter if there's three people that judge. It's the one person that hears something in any message, and whether that's in a 12-step room, a, you know, on campus, um, in a podcast, that 
steers them towards getting help or gets them one step closer to asking for help, whatever that looks like. And so, you know, yes. And so going in, coming on the podcast was a huge deal and I wasn't sure how it would be received and it was received really well. And and I've received messages and people saying, you know, I struggle or my mom struggles or this person, you know, just got sober. Thank you for being the voice. And, you know, I know that you've received those messages as well from people just saying, thank you for being so open and talking so candidly. Um, and so after that, I think you and I were just talking kind of just chatting. We're like, we should send this to university of Richmond where we went and see, you know, the athletic director, cause this is a huge deal in athletes. And that's how we ended up on campus. Um, how did you receive that, that, that type of feedback? Because you've, you have started to kind of move forward with your message after that. Like there was no grand plan and really there still isn't right. As far as like, it's just kind of give back what was so freely given to us. Uh, but you kind of take that good reception and, and you know, you've moved with it, right? You want, you want to continue to do that. You feel a sense of purpose doing that. Right. A hundred percent. You know, when 15 years ago, there weren't a lot of women speaking openly about it. And there weren't a lot of women like me who had careers, who were moms, who'd been through a divorce, like fill in the blank. Like there weren't women who had had life experiences um, that were openly talking about it. And, um, you know, for me, like, I didn't think I had a problem because I was a wine drinker and I drank champagne and I thought that was classy or, you know, martinis. It was just once I started, I couldn't stop, but there was nobody saying that that's kind of the definition of alcoholic, Um, you know, and there have been a couple of books written about it, but what I found was that, you know, I think it would have, I, I want to be, I would love to be one, you know, just again, like just one person hearing something that would say like, okay, she seems normal. (laughs) Because I also had the impression that like, you know, addicts and alcoholics were these weirdos in basements that just talked about God. And that's not, for me, like what, you know, what getting sober has been about, it's been about, you know, it is about putting down the the substances, but it's also about finding your inner voice and finding what brings you joy, you know, and um, there's so many other things that go into it. On the level of you mentioned, and we'll kind of go backwards before we go um, to the present of what we just did. But you mentioned that, you know, student athletes, and you mentioned something that, you know, you kind of obviously part of your story right being an athlete being an alcoholic and now you're in recovery what do you have to say about that whole situation where you know student athletes need this type of support they need they need an outlet I mean I think and I and I'd love to hear your feedback on this too from a like a male perspective but I think in general like social media also like ups the ante as far as the level of feeling the need to be perfect you know yeah um and when we were in college, thank goodness, right? There's no Facebook <laughs> or like TikTok or whatever. Um, but I feel as athletes, like we're, are the level of success is measured by our output. You know, like that's how we determine good or bad, right? You know, like if we achieved success today, it's because we beat our time or we won a game or our stats were better than the last, whatever. Um, and then, and I think for, my myself personally for athletes that struggle with mental, you know, mental health, mental illness, um, whether it's depression, anxiety, um, and addiction, like drugs and alcohol can start to look like a self-medication tactic, you know, and for especially those of us in that, college, especially in college, yeah, and those, exactly. You can blend in, which is what I found. And that was one of the hardest things when I came out of the university of Richmond is finding that, I, cause everybody was drinking, but I didn't realize that not everybody was drinking like we were yeah. <laughs> they weren't backing out. Yeah. They weren't, you know, like they could stop after one or they would choose to study for a test rather than go out and, you know, get really hammered. Um, and so I think today there's just a level of expectation to be perfect and achievement on student athletes. It's greater than anything we've seen before. What's my <laughs> Well, it's true. You know, he's adorable. Uh, we have as athletes, and I was in a 12 step meeting yesterday where we talked about this. It's perfect. Yeah. And, and as people perfection, right? We want, we have this idea that the people around us are concerned with how we're doing when they're really, I mean, most people are concerned about the same thing as far as they, right, are concerned. People are just worried about themselves, but um, there is a, 
a real consummation with that that happens with uh, with people that are alcoholic and then with student athletes you're on a stage where you're being judged and oh. and now you know you're seeking like you said you're seeking refuge in alcohol or drugs and it's just compounding it just starts to tumble and the key is and Randy Grimes who played for the Buccaneers who's in the uh the NFL uh I, I, he has a program I forget right now, but it's it's basically addicts in recovery that have to do with the NFL and pro sports. And uh, he he didn't invent this, but he said something. It was music to my ears, and I shared it with the student athletes of Richmond. It's okay not to be okay, and as an athlete, it's really not okay not to be okay. So it's that juxtaposition that uh, is becomes something that you're looking to tackle, right? Right. And good pun, Taco. Um, oh, thanks, with the, the Randy Graham. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, Don't give me too much credit now. <laughs> yeah. And I think and we touched on this too when we were, when we were talking. Um, you have you know, talk, what, what's, he, what's he need? If he needs, does he need anything? Um, he wants me and it says, hi, I'm Siri. <laughs> what's up, Siri? Um um, you know, when you transition to from being in college one, it, you can hide it right and two, every single minute of our day was pretty much structured. You know, for me, it was getting up in the morning, like I had a morning workout and then I had breakfast and then classes and I had a nap and I had afternoon workout and then study hall, you know, like yeah. everything scripted and then you could do, you know, drinking. Um, but when I went out in the real world, it was really hard to find structure and put you know, even though like the time management was, you know, implemented in college because we were athletes and kind of had to juggle the, well, and, you know, and as addicts, I guess we juggled academics, athletics, and addiction. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And so getting out of college, that was a huge learning curve of trying to learn, you know, and then eventually whatever, whatever you put the energy towards is the one that takes up the most, you know, the most um, the most importance. And so eventually like everything else got kind of pushed out and the addiction was the one that really, cause there was nobody holding me accountable. I mean, I don't know if you found that to be true. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. And one of the things that preceded us, as far as one of the features to the program were, uh, it was a student, it talked about student athletes. Uh, it was the, they played a video from, I think it was a swimmer from the university of Michigan. And yeah, it just talked about how you know, then she was somebody who dealt with, with, uh, mental health stuff, you know, depression and, but anybody, <laughs> we'll get back to this conversation in a second, but right now a word from our sponsors. From the host of the popular podcast, the only one in the room stash by Laura Cathcart Robbins is a propulsive and vivid memoir about the journey to sobriety and self-love amidst addiction, privilege, racism, and self-sabotage. Best-selling author Holly Whitaker calls it an irresistibly delicious story. And MacArthur Foundation fellow and best-selling author Kiese Lehman says Stash is emotionally riveting. Buy Stash by Laura Cathcart Robbins now, wherever books are sold. The world looks different behind the handlebars of a rad electric bike. Grabbing takeout looks less like greasy styrofoam boxes and more like a cross-town adventure. Rideshares look less like piling into the back of a car and more like grabbing fresh air with your friends. And commuting can even start to look like the best part of your day. That's because with Rad, the world is what you make of it, not what it makes of you. See for yourself with a 14-day free trial. Find your fun at radpowerbikes.com. The all-new Chevy Colorado is made for more. Stacked with the latest in-vehicle technologies like a class-leading 11-inch diagonal center touchscreen and an extra-large wireless charging pad. Plus, it features wireless Apple CarPlay and Android Auto compatibility to make staying connected easy wherever your adventure takes you. Chevy Colorado, made for more. Learn more at Chevrolet.com slash truck slash Colorado. Claims based on latest competitive data. Any, see, you can't tell me because it was a secret. Anybody. After he asked her to. <laughs> so, anybody that's dealing with the structure of sports and then has to transition out of that. I think that anybody that's dealing with that, it's going to be kind of jarring to put your schedule back together, right? Or, or to feel, okay, now I know how to get up and go to work and do this and that and the other thing. There's a lot of space you're filling because, hey, for better or for worse, you just talked about it, being a student athlete, you got to be 
there are taskmasters who are mastering your tasks for you, right? So now you got to do it yourself. And if you're an alcoholic and a drug addict, what do you fill that space with? You fill it with alcohol and drugs a lot of times. So the combination uh, of, of the free time, the, the no more structure, and the addiction is just crippling. And that's one of the things that I feel like we were able to at least try to share that with these student athletes uh, at, at the University of Richmond, our experience with that. Well, right. And I think like, you know, community builds connection. And I think, you know, us, you being a male and playing football and I was a female and swam, like, even though addiction is a really strong tie between men and women, we also struggled or um, had different experiences, you know? And so if we just shared one experience, then maybe not everybody would get it, you know, but if there are two people sharing different experiences, someone can say, oh, that, you know, that one. Yes. Halloween candy. Oh um, man, I'm right behind him. Oh. <laughs> um, you know, and that's like in the you know we've talked in we know this in twelve step meetings too. It's like if you go, if you come around long enough, you're going to hear something that resonates with you, you know? And so being able to share your experience and being able to share my experience, like hopefully two people in that auditorium got something out of it, you know? And even I said, this, like I said, hopefully this doesn't resonate with any of you. Cause that means it doesn't, you know, nobody, nobody has an addiction or nobody is struggling like we were, you know, but if it does, then you, you know, you have two people that you can connect with or the two people that can help you or guide you or whatever. Um, you know, and we were there to kind of talk about the, the, um, career, like, you know, finding career. And I know for me, like, you know, addiction really, there's no career with addiction, in, in my opinion, right? Like, there's no, you know, they talked about transition. There's no transition game when, you know, all you're doing is playing with drugs and alcohol. You're surviving, right? Yeah. You're just trying to survive, like exist, make enough money to get your fix, to buy your drink, to do this. Exactly. It's existing and not, you know, living. Um, and you and I have talked about this and like, you know, pers like personally, and I think you brought it up when we were talking about, um, you know, kids when they get out of college, like ones that don't, you know, have the addictive, have the addiction gene or struggle with drugs and alcohol or, um, you know, they work really hard to like build their career. And now, you know, now is when they can kind of like yes. start, you know, relaxing or it's when they can see the fruits of their labor and where people that, oh, you know, yeah, uh -huh. I mean, yeah, yeah. We spend those years partying. Like we're not putting hay in the barn for our career later, you know, down the road. Like we're really focused on what's next, you yeah. know, where can I get more? What can I do greater? How can I get higher? Whatever it is. And, Hi. <laughs> what's up, handsome? Uh, you know, so it just shifts a little bit. Yeah. What did you think, uh, you know, when we, and then let's get to that, to that program. We were able, I mean, first of all, to go back there, and to be able to be be back on campus. For me, it was, I hadn't been back in a long time. Maybe I've been back twice in, you know, 20 some years. And there was almost like, uh, you know, to go back, I'm pretty, it was a positive experience being back there, being with you. But like, I also had, I'm not going to say triggering, because I've had triggering stuff happen to me, but, and that wasn't one of the things, but it was very, I, it's hard to describe to describe it or to put my arms around it, you know, verbally. But it was like interesting to be back there because ninety percent of my time was spent drunk or or chasing some kind of high. And you know, I feel like there's there was some regret around that. I guess I, I felt kind of bittersweet. I feel bittersweet when I get back on that campus because it's like, man, it's uh, you know, it's I feel like it was a wasted opportunity. I feel that. Yeah. Yes, I understand that. I think you know, like. There are a couple of moments like, oh, I ran into that wall or I hit the curb here. Like, I remember, like, you kind of get into those moments of like, oh, um, yes. And I, and I feel like I can feel into what you're saying. Cause it's like, oh man, you know, and we've talked about this too. It's like, shoulda, woulda, coulda, like, coulda tried harder, should have been better. Like all of those things. Um, and most of my time was like, not remembering. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah and it's. But it's also, I feel like I, I, yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. I, but I also, um, 
think it's like everything that we've done and everything from college on has like brought us to this experience and given us the opportunity to help people who are also sick and struggling. And as the, you know, I mean, you and I've talked about this too. It's like the, um, the pandemic too, like, you know, brought more addiction and alcohol to the surface. I mean, more people died. I know the number is like more people died from drugs and alcohol related incidents that first year than, than actually died of COVID and COVID. Yeah. that's like, that's a pandemic, like, and it's increasing, you know, and who does it affect? Like it trickles down. I mean, it affects so many people. Right. And like one person in your life gets sober, the ripple effect is so great, you know, and it's the same thing as when people are sick and struggling, right. It's like the ripple effect. And it's like getting a hold of that is and helping, you know, one or two people and the exponential help and growth it has. And just helping two people is so substantial. And, you know, I, I don't know. I see like, college I don't know I mean Peter was so different when we were there like we didn't have the I mean we are how about that let's talk about that so we go and we talk to the student athletes and they take us on a tour through the wellness like I mean it was like I mean this is an you know we were lucky to go to Richmond uh they got they got a lot going on it's more you, you talk to anybody about the school and anybody that's familiar with it they'll They'll anybody that's from maybe the Southwest or, you know, Texas, whatever you compare it to SMU or a campus like that. It's a smaller school, but it's just absolutely beautiful. And now the cultivation has taken place as far as, you know, educational components related to mental health. And we walked through this wellness center and it was unbelievable, but there wasn't anybody there. And maybe it was an, it was a Friday and that's just my opinion. Um, I, obviously I think the money spent on that was put to very good use, but how do you get people in college and, and, and especially young athletes to shift gears and spend time looking and working on these things that they've got to generate vulnerability to go there. And that's almost impossible for athletes to go there, or let's just say it's the exact opposite of what they're supposed to be doing on the field well, performance. Sure. And like you and I were both, I mean, we were college athletes, everything was structured, right? So is it structured? Is it mandatory? Is it required? Because lifting was required when I was like the mental health aspect of it. Yes. Like we do a group meditation or we do a group yoga class. Like, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what they're, you know, I don't know. I mean, they're so structured and they have so much time and they're so committed, but um, like, I know for me, that was the only, I mean, yeah, we were, you know, required to lift at this time to this time, and then we'd have practice. And then from this time to this time, I was required to be in study hall and that, you know, and it's like. I don't think I'm speaking out of school, but I was talking to somebody um, on the administrative side when we were there and we talked about, uh, you know, a, a sport because it was mandatory when you and I, I can't believe anybody would, <laughs> it would be mandatory to have me speak about uh, health and wellness. I, I, I said at the beginning of the talk, there was nothing that was healthy or, or, or well about me uh, when I was in college, but here I am. And I spoke to this one guy and he said, you know, it was, oh, it was, uh, it was a game day. And he said, it was game day, so this sport couldn't make it. And he said, but they had to go to class today, you know, because he was trying to say, hey, this needs to be more there needs to be more, more, more prioritized. It needs to become more prioritized. Um, and if you can make mental health and wellness a priority among athletes, you can start to plant that seed a lot earlier. And I'm talking about going beyond, you know, the once and a six month chat with, you know, with, with a therapist that's on staff there. Uh, I, I, I think there's more that, that can be done. And I think that uh, the addiction side uh, is something that, is still vacant, you know, as far as there's, there is a, I always give you a hard time. You, I would say working in this, that space because Hill knows all the lingo. There is something in that space that needs to be done, Hillary. 100%. Because look, like I wouldn't have shown up at that if it wasn't mandatory when we were there. No way was uh, Hillary Phelps. Many- no way was Hillary Phelps. First of all, you weren't telling Hillary Phelps what to do. First of all, back in college. <laughs> yeah, like anything, um, anything extra, yeah. right? Uh-huh. But, but it, well, put wellness, mental health or addiction on anything and who's going to show up voluntarily? Like who's, because one, it's hard enough to admit that you are struggling or have an issue because you're 18 years old, 19 years old, 20 years old. 
Like this is college. Like I thought this was a high price, you know, club. It was, it was the cost of admission was, you know, swimming a couple hours a day to be able to party and live, you know, because that's also how it's, I think, portrayed like the same thing with like glorifying drugs and alcohol, whether it's to celebrate or be sad or whatever it is. Like, I think there, there's so many things that need to like shift and change, but you're right. Like, um, yeah, no, I think for students to, you know, be, be, be <laughs> what does he have? I told my um, blow up so they like, don't need those away. He, and the one was hard. So, uh, so probably got he, thrown away. Right? He threw, he threw away a guy in a trash can on a Kidopia game. Oh no. Mama, look. Hopefully. <laughs> that's, um, that's a little bit of work. That's, you know, it's like an old person throwing away their dentures. So we, we right. We've got an issue and we're going to be searching right. through the trash in, in a little bit. Yo, one, uh, one of the things we were just talking about is, um, and you said something that really um, piqued my interest. Being, getting sober, right? It was mandatory that I go to meetings for 20 years, but I wasn't going. It was mandatory that I stopped drinking, right, for, for 20 years, but I didn't stop. While we have an opportunity to get these people places that they need to be these people being athletes right like you and I were let's give them let's make it mandatory you know this is an opportunity to and, and of course we're a program that's promotion by attraction but at the same time I think uh it's it's needed to to, to get somebody to get somebody in front of and it's going to be a I don't want this to sound um like I'm patting myself on the back let me pat you on the back it's important to get somebody in front of you so they can hear your message. I, I, I watched you talk on Friday, and I watched a, a lot, if not all, of the student athletes we were talking to move forward to move up in their seats. You know, like the engagement. The hands were clasped. They, they sat up, and they were on the edge of their seats. And it wasn't like that for other parts of the program. And I think there's a human experience. But I'm just saying. Um, well, for we right, we also shared, you know, our experience, and I think people probably looking at us were like, "What?" <laughs> yeah, I know. You're here, I know. You know, you're here to tell. Yeah, um, totally. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. I mean, even uh, you and I talking about it, I, I know, you know, and and we talk about the power of social media, putting that out there, you know, that that you and I made that visit. Uh, the feedback I got from we got from from you know alumni and and classmates of ours teammates of ours, I was blown away and yeah. uh not only the shock that we were doing that I was doing something positive like that I think that was the overwhelming majority of, of the response I got but also hey this is so awesome this is needed and the fact that you're able to go and do this um is is so, is so important right and well and so this you when you were just talking this is what um, and this is another reason why I think it's needed one, you know, when we were taking the tour of the campus and they had the heart rate monitors and they watch film and they have a nutritionist on staff and they, and they, um, you know, analyzed all the, the physical data that was coming back from their respiration rate and practice and recovery time and all of that stuff. But nowhere did I hear anything. And it, it, this isn't like a blame game, but like nowhere did I hear anything about them talking about, you know, having meditation classes or talks like we, you know, yeah. like this was first like talks on addiction or, um, you know, mental health or depression, anxiety, like those types of things. So I think so much focus because of, you know, your athletes. And I think this is across the board. They're focused on that physical component, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, and it's like, it really is like a systematic, um, you know, a more systematic approach of mental, you know, mental, physical, I'd say spiritual, but yeah, no. And so the, the program was Hillary and I got a chance to, to, to speak. It was Friday morning. Um, I went first. We probably had about, we probably had way more time than we thought we were going to have, um, yeah. which was fine. Right. We didn't have a problem filling it, but I'm, I'm up there. They, the, the school did an incredible job. They took, you know, um, pictures of us, older pictures. They took our bio, they took our bios and it was pretty cool. I think it was, uh, He's like, man, he's a good-looking kid. <laughs> wow. See that? We should have had that picture up there. <laughs> really, though, we, we, we shared 
some of our successes because trust me, we were going to do a good enough job of sharing our, our failures and all that stuff um, throughout our journey. But you, they established some credibility, I guess, like on, on our end. And we got up there and basically shared our experience, you know, what happened, especially what happened in school um, and, and what we had to do to get right and, and what we're doing now to stay right. And I saw, just like I saw when you, when you were speaking, I definitely saw, it was amazing to see the engagement we got. I mentioned that earlier with you. but And I said, uh, of course, you, you were like, good cop. You came behind me and you were like, hopefully I'm not talking to anyone. And I was like, I'm talking to, t-. I was like, there's two people in here who know at least. And then, you know, Hillary comes by, like looking all beautiful after me. She's like, hopefully it's none of you. And, and, then, and then afterwards we got done and the whole friggin' swim team was huddled around you like you were, the, like you were their coach. Uh, right? All these girls asking you questions. But I, I thought, by the way, that was one of the coolest parts of the event. One of the most fucked up parts of the event was that there was a goddamn tornado. Pardon my, pardon my language. <laughs> but I'm sitting there, I'm sitting there talking and uh, R.D. Montgomery, who, who welcomed us back to campus, uh, as I'm talking, I see him start to move around and he's talking to different people like on the administrative side outside of the crowd of student athletes that we're talking to. And then he comes up on the stage and he starts talking to Hillary and I'm thinking, okay, I gotta, I gotta wrap this up. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, and you know, anybody that's speaking like that and there's all sorts of like, you feel the commotion if you've done it once or twice, like, okay, something's happening here. Um, and I'm like, Oh my God, is he going to like come up and be like, all right, Pete, like that's enough of your time. I, I was like, this is unheard of, you know? So I was, so I did, I did my part to wrap it up. And then I got done and he goes, yeah, okay. There's a tornado. We're going to have to move uh, to a different space of campus. I was like, oh my gosh, or a tornado warning, I should say. And then we got to walk through the bowels. And, and, and by the way, a glass was why they moved yeah, us. Yeah, yeah. In this beautiful auditorium with glass. It? And it Millheiser, like- Millheiser gym, right? Yeah, I think it was. It was new. Yeah, it was. It was. It was incredible. I mean, the the university and the work that they've done. I mean, it was always beautiful, but it's uh, what a special place. Of course, I speak from you know a, a place where I'm I'm definitely partial to this school, but it was just so beautiful. And so then we walk through the the I guess you would say the annals of the university, right? Um, I mean, we were in locker rooms and areas that I know I never saw, and it's not the biggest place, right? In the athletic department. And we, we came out, I guess, by, uh, I forget what, what portion of it was. We were all the way down in the belly of, of, of the University of Richmond's athletic department. And then it was Hillary's turn to speak. I was like, I was like good luck, The racquetball courts and the tornado shelter, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was like, good luck, Hill. But and then you said, hey, it's going to be like a meeting. It's going to be like an AA meeting. Like, uh, you know, I'm going to get up here. And, and it was awesome. And everybody was still there and everybody was still captivated. What was the message that you tried to convey as you looked out to almost younger versions of you? You know, it was basically like one of those, a letter to your younger self. What were you trying to get across to those young student athletes? Yeah, I mean, like, look, and I've shared this on your podcast and before. It's like I grew up, even though I was the fastest in the country at one point. Fastest. And- the I always say, I'm like, Hillary, why do you bury this lead? You were the best swimmer in the country. And I said, start telling people you were the best in the world. You could Pete, I wasn't. I'm like, yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, leave it well, to, uh, from one PR person to another. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, you know, and I was the fastest and I got straight A's and there was still something inside of me that never felt good enough, you know, good enough, smart enough, funny enough, like nothing. And it didn't matter. And I was already the best, but there was something like this empty hole inside of me. And I tried to fill it with drugs and alcohol, with toxic relationships, with, you know, shopping, like all of the thing, like whatever, and nothing worked. And so what I wanted to kind of, you know, cause I was, I mean, I was talking to the women, you know, like, cause that is like, I don't think there's these, enough people like you talking to, to young women and in, in, in general, especially in athletics. Thank you. I mean, yeah, like these things are normal. I mean, not normal, but like you're not alone because I always felt like I was alone or there was something wrong or I couldn't figure it out or why is this happening to me? And nobody was talking about it. My parents didn't understand it because they, what, what experience do they have? They didn't have experience with it, you know? So it's like, you're fine. You're fine. Like put some dirt on. I mean, that was kind of our generation. Like, and not, this is, I love my, yeah, no. you know, my parents, 
not like, but, um, and so for me, it was like trial and error. Let's see what works to quiet the voice or numb it or whatever it is. And that's when I really got heavy into you know drugs and alcohol. Cause it was like, I don't know what to do here, but this seems to be the answer. And so I wanted girls to know that like, if these are behaviors that they're seeing, or these are, you know, um, ways that they're feeling like, and this is how you're coping. There's a solution, you know, and we have a solution or we have at least some, you know, resources to, to steer you towards. What did you think? Uh, what do you think about people who say, because w w there's a hard charge, uh, like, like, what do I want to say? I just want to, there's, there's a hardcore approach to athletics in college, but there's also that side that says, okay, work hard, play hard. What do you say, or, or I guess, what are your thoughts on, you can almost hide out, like we talked about earlier. You almost fit in as an alcoholic, or especially as an alcoholic in college, or, or now a day is like a, a real excessive, like weed smoker. But you know, you're, you're quieting the voice in, in, in your head or trying to fill the hole in your soul if you're me, but everybody else. And, and by the way, you just, all, all I, all I, you know, is it feels good. Right. I mean, you really don't even know. I didn't really know that there was like a, you know, I felt so good and it didn't feel like that for everybody else, but it, it was normal. So kind of, what do you say to that? Like, Hey, like how, how, how do people kind of, you know, find that place to go when it's like, okay, like we're working hard and we're partying hard. Like, how do you find the avenue like, or, or create the avenue for, for help for, for, for student athletes that really don't know what they are? Yeah, I don't, I mean, I, and I think the way you create an avenue like that is just giving them exposure to, to people like us who are talking about it. Right. Because if you don't know, you don't know what you don't know. Right. And if we're constantly told like work hard, play hard, this is just what you do. You go on Thursday, Friday nights, like, especially if you're um, impressionable or you want to be liked or whatever that is, you know, you're going to kind of go, I'm, I went along with it. Other people are going to go along with it. And so it's getting other people in front of them to say like, we felt the same looking back. It's not, you know, it's not normal or it's, it's okay. It's okay. Not to be okay. You know, um, it's a, it's a long road. I mean, I don't know. What do you tell them? What do you say? Well, I mean, I think what you said nailed it. I really I loved your answer. Like, just expose exposure to the solution, I think, is the beginning of, yeah. of fighting that battle. Uh, having people, you know, that are, that are tuned into recovery, talking to them about their experience, strength, and hope, I think can really, that's all you can do. Because I, there were, and I had to seek it out or not seek it out, but all of my experience was either through personal experience. Like I always talk about my buddy, Peter Flick, who got sober when he was 18. I knew that and my brother struggled with it. Uh, but I knew that when they went to where they were supposed to go, there was, there was an answer. They were, they did better. And I knew from TV shows, you know, and maybe a, a lecture or two that I got over the course of high school and college. And that was all. You know, and when I talk about this, I'm talking about TV shows about, you know, the comeback, uh, you know, the, the, the goat, the Earl Monroe story that was on HBO. I love that shit. You know, he got, he was a basketball player who got sober. Um, okay. And, uh, you know, or, or, or I remember watching a sports century classic on ESPN about Dennis Eckersley who got sober. And by the way, his publicist won't let him go on this podcast, which is another story. She, she actually, I won't say that she won't let him go, but she said Dennis can't do it. Dennis, I want to have you on here. Um, but uh, that was a huge reason why, I, I, I remember trying to get sober watching the freaking Dennis Eckersley Sports Century Classic over and over again, crying at my parents' house when I couldn't stop drinking. Um, you know, and uh, so there's a, um, there is a, an attraction to that, I think, even if you're in the, the throes of addiction or if you're trying to find yourself to those messages. Yeah, I mean, I used to watch, I used to drink vodka and watch When a Man Loves a Woman, which is like, yeah, because it's a story about an addict and she gets sober. Um, but I also think, I lost my train of thought. Well, no, what, and what I was saying too, just real quick to sweep in, it's, yes. you know, those messages, you know, it's so rare. I mean, by the time I'm watching these documentaries or, or, they found me. I didn't find them. So it's important that we put a, a situation or, or, or something in place where these programs find these student athletes. They, they're not going to look for them, you know, but it's got to, you know, it's almost like it's just as similar as 
me flicking around the television set and coming across that that movie, The Goat, or the Dennis Eckersley Sports Century Classic, as to okay, something is now put in your program in 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 your life that is like we 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 said you know was mandatory. And what were you gonna say? I cut you off. Yeah, no, I was gonna say because I also was like, I'm too young to have a problem. This is college. This is just what people do. And so we keep going back to that. Like it's easy to be buried in that in that space, right? You're, it's easy to get lost in the crowd in college because everybody is doing it. What I didn't understand and what I later came to realize is that, you know, when we put alcohol in our body, it becomes like walking pneumonia. Like my hangover is not like my college roommates that had two beers the night before and I had 15 or whatever it yes. was, you know what I mean? Like it's not the same, but like- <laughs> So you mean the some- recovery? I love this. So the way you felt after having 15 beers was like a regular human having walking pneumonia. And you're just, yes. and you're just walking around, right? Like, yeah, no big deal. Like this is just a hangover. And it's like, no, this isn't a hangover. People with hangovers, maybe, I don't know what a regular hangover is, but like, you know, have, maybe they have a little bit of a headache. Maybe they drink a little bit more water, but like, they're not so incapacitated that they can't like function or get out of bed or like, you know what I mean? They, but they have to. And it's, I just think it's a different. My man Murph says, if he woke up today, he's sober, you know, six years or something. He says, if he woke up today, feeling the way he did, Every day when he woke up with a hangover, he would call he would call 911. You know, if you woke up today feeling the way you did when you were in the grips of alcohol and drug right. addiction, you would you would be like, I have to go to the hospital. Something is very wrong with me. And it was just you another know, day at the office. Yeah, hundred like we talked about this in the in, in Richmond. Um that I used to sit in the shower and I get up in the morning. You know, this is once I transitioned into the work life and a career and into a job. I should be not a career, like I and I um I'd sit in the shower and I would like have my head in my knees and wrap my arms around my, and, and just like my kidneys hurt so bad from all of the toxins and drug, you know, alcohol that was just going through my body that I was like, I mean, it was like knives stabbing in the side of my back. And I was like, I can't do this anymore. Like, every single morning. And it was like, that's not normal. But I will tell but you I this, did it. you kept doing it. And I remember I read a book about the Oakland Raiders who were like work hard, play hard. The organization was in the seventies and the eighties. And there was a wide receiver, Dave Casper. And he had had like, like we're talking about a real hard night the night before, like many beers, probably some drugs. And he's on the training table and, uh, the day before, you know, they have a game. So he's hung over. They're about to play a game. And somebody that saw him out the night before was like, Oh man, Casper, like, are you, I can't even believe you're going to play. I saw you last night and now I see you, you're still, you're in pretty bad shape. And he was like, you got to teach your body who's boss. And that's, and that was the mindset that, that I worked with, right? I mean, for so long, I was like, I'm going to be a raider. I'm going to teach my body who's boss. And then by the very end, I, was, I wasn't a raider. I was a piece of shit, um, you know, and, and I, because I was sick, you know? Yeah. I was an addict who was a bad person. I wasn't a bad person who was an addict. And, and, and that's, what it, that's what had happened to me. I was a bad person because of addiction. Um, so what would you say, because uh, I'll let you go get the train in, in, in about 10 minutes here, what would you say to somebody? Oh, oh. Um, what would you say to just to give people? Because you and I were there. We've talked about it, but you know, odds are people that are listening to this, you know, have no clue what went on in that session. What do you say to younger athletes, student athletes, or if there's a parent of a student athlete out there, especially that's a female, um, you know, about your experience and about the availability and about the opportunity to seek out this, this mental health, or if they're feeling some kind of way, uh, you know, where to go, what to do. I mean, I think, right. Like it's the message, the messenger and the timing, right. So nobody's going to hear it until they're ready to hear it. But if you keep presenting opportunities for education and learning and exposure, then at some point it's going to, it's going to resonate with at least one person. Right. And I think you and I both agree, like one person does change the world. Like one person getting sober helps another, helps another. It's a trickle down effect. So, um, I don't know. I mean, it's also like, it's tough, right? Like I'm a parent, like asking questions, you know, like, like you spoke, you spoke to this, this, this group, um, uh, what, what, what did you feel was one of the more impactful messages or, or, or things that you shared that you felt like we all have those moments when you see their eyes kind of like, Oh, you know? Um, 
I don't know. You were watching them. I went into like a speaking blackout. Like what <laughs> I said, what did you see? What oh. did they resonate with? I mean, I don't know. Like I think, and this is, this goes back to like the importance I think of, of experience. It's like storytelling. Storytelling mm. is what's, what resonates, right? 100%. So, like, we, we, were not, we were not talking at them or really no. to them. We were just talking with them. Right. Like putting stats up, like saying, did you know more people died from this and this? Like we're not at a conference or a convention. Like we're talking, we're trying to like, affect change or at least be heard in a in a positive way right and so i think the fact that we were able to do it from a storytelling perspective all true but like this is our experience right and this is how people learn is by hearing other people's experience and resonating you know something in that resonating um so i think it's like the delivery is so important right and the messenger is so important and we laugh about this but we were like we're seasoned we're not old we're not young you know but like we both yeah. over, over a decade um we're established in our careers you know like we came out alive like we're okay but like there were some moments that we weren't sure about and like sharing those things and being like this is what it was like this is what happened to affect the change and this is what it's like now right like that's so powerful and people being like wow and maybe that sticks with somebody or maybe 5 years down the road they're in you know living with a roommate in new york and they and the roommate comes to them and says hey i'm struggling and they're like hey you know what i heard this like you just never know how or it's you go to end. your roommate and you go i think that those people that spoke at our college were right like i think i might have have this issue Cause that's kind of, yeah. what I, or your roommate talks to you and says, I think you, you have this wrong with you. It could, right. Or, yeah. but, or like, but, but if it's not presented or people aren't talking actively about, you know, talking about addiction and struggles and mental health and mental wellness, if we're not talking about it, then you don't know what you don't know. Right. And so I'm saying like, no, like you lived in New York, you had a roommate, like imagine your roommate coming to you saying like, Hey, I think I'm struggling. Have you not had a talk at Richmond? You'd be like, I don't know what to tell you, man. Like, mm -hmm. it. you know, it's like, Oh, actually we heard this conversation with these two former like this is what they did maybe you should look into rehab like even though I knew about rehab I didn't even know where to begin like I didn't you just google like rehabs close to me like I just didn't know you know and so I just having information readily accessible and available to people is really helpful oh so and I want to talk about sharing the message too real quick before we wrap this up so this is just how incredible of a person Hillary is so we get done and there are two people on campus that are there. So, and this is another, I mean, this it's, it's funny, but it speaks to the, uh, to the need uh, or, or, or the lack thereof, I guess uh, the willingness of folks that are younger to get sober. There are two people on campus that I can tell you, but were, were like in sobriety at the, I'm sure there's more than that. Right. But there were two people who we were going to meet with that were AA or 12 step based and boy, Hillary was going to find them. We're walking around. We're walking around the athletic department. You know, oh my gosh. Let's say the guy's name was Dominic. I don't want to say his name. We have to find Dominic. I'm texting with Dominic right now. He's in this room in the wellness center, room 204. Does anybody know where 204 is? And so we're walking around with RD. Hillary, <laughs> 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 I was. We were all over the place, and I was talking to RD, and you're like, "I'll, I'll get. I'll get with you guys in a little bit. I'm going to find Dominic." Stay here. I'm going to go find this. Group. <laughs> So, but this is like the beauty of you and I carrying the message. We, we were, we were, you were on fire to meet two people who wanted to meet with you. And that, because us, yes, but you know, with us, but you know, yes. And we were excited. The whole, the, and the point is, you know, years ago, as it was told to me, it was like, you know, you try to talk to somebody about like, Hey, you should get sober and yada, yada. But there's people who actually want it. And, you know, the people who wanted to talk sobriety. And these weren't people with one or two days. They were people with, with, with time that wanted to share with somebody else in the Richmond community uh, their stories of sobriety. And it was awesome. But I guess what I'm getting is, getting at and is. Right? Because they yeah. also wanted questions. They're like, we need to do this. Like, do you guys have any organizational, like, ideas on yeah. how that we better dot, dot, dot. Like, they were also really eager. I mean, it was like a really beautiful, yeah, it was well, like a small. And, and part of the mission is, and I'm going to, like, I'll give you credit uh, on this because because I just am. You know, it, if it's a, if it's a, an arena of, of 20,000 people or if it's a room of one or two, it doesn't matter. You know, carrying the message is just about carrying the message. And it's not a results-based deal. 
Um, or it's not about, oh, like, you know, results as far as how many people are going to be there or whatever. It's just about, hey, here's the message. We want to bring it. And I think it's that type of passion um, and fire that, that brought us back to campus and, and I hope will continue to move us throughout, right, Dif- different places in the country uh, carrying this message. Right. I mean, because to your point, like it doesn't matter if it's two people in a room or 200 people in a room because or 2000 people in a room because it's one person. And we talk about this, too, in the program. It's like um, it's a family disease. It affects everybody. One addict is it doesn't stop, you know, and I was like this, too. Well, this doesn't affect anybody else but me. But it does. It affects my parents, my brother, my sister, my friends, my like if you're a mother, your child. I mean, it affects everybody. So literally one person getting help is huge by the way we all know michael was a great swimmer i always think hillary uh, or whitney doesn't get the credit she deserves whitney your sister at unlv she was one of the best right yeah she was third in the world at 14 she was incredible her time would have won olympics in 96 all right so yeah i always feel like whitney needs some credit here all right she's like She's the badass of the phelps clan for sure one one more question did you what happened to the pitcher of water at dinner? Did you knock it off the table? <laughs> you, you, you tried to act. I mean, we're at dinner, right? Hillary took me out to dinner for my, my sober anniversary. It was awesome. Um, and all we're sitting there eating, and the next thing you know, it's smashed. The worst case scenario as a patron, a glass on your table hits the ground, and people scramble. Yeah. Did you knock it off? I didn't think so. I didn't touch it. It was energy. <laughs> Um, I don't, that was really weird. Yeah. I was like, did I do that? Did I do that? I got I your back. I was like, she did not do this. I was like, oh my gosh, it was one of the, but it was really loud. Yeah. It was one of those very embarrassing moments of like, you're going to be sober. Like, <laughs> Actually, but, right? but, but, but what do we do? I took the opportunity to move us to a better table. I was like, yeah, you know what? We're, we're, we're going to go down here. Quiet. Yeah. Thank you, Hillary. I appreciate it. Have right. a good day. Later. <laughs> you too. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening to The Payoff with Pete. Once again, I'm Pete Souza, And of course, we are part of the Rogue Media Network. All kinds of good podcasts you can find at roguemedianetwork.com. And of course, you can find this podcast and all those other ones wherever you get your podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, other spots like that. This has been a Rogue Media Podcast. 